I just want to ask uh, two of these four questions, kind of get some response tonight. The first question was, does the Bible provide believers with a winning strategy when it comes to spiritual warfare? How certain are you on this? So just by show of hands, how many of you would say, coming into tonight, here, if you're asked that question, you would say to the affirmative, yes, I believe the Bible provides a winning strategy when it comes to spiritual warfare, and I'm very certain of that. Let me see your hands put up real quick. So look around, man. Look, look around at all the hands that are coming up. Now, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up because these are all the men that are here that believe the Bible has a winning strategy when it comes to spiritual warfare. You're certain. Fourth question, how have you been doing? Have you personally been following it? So as you look at the past seven days on a daily basis, how many of you men would keep your hand up and say, every day the last seven days I've followed that strategy perfectly? Yeah, you can't perfect. I mean... If you did, see me afterwards, all right? If you perfectly upheld that. Here's the reality, and this is what I wanted us to understand tonight. I want us to be on the same page. And this is something that we established kind of the first week as we looked at Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to start there again, looking at the passage, 6 verses 10 to 20. Um, We understand, if we have any understanding of God and his word, that God does provide a winning strategy for us as it relates to this area of spiritual warfare. And if you didn't know that prior to coming to this study, by the time you leave tonight, you're at least going to know that, that God does have answers and does provide us with a winning strategy as it relates to this area of spiritual warfare. So let's look at the passage again tonight, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. We've been reading this as we get started in our study each of the previous two weeks. We're going to read it again tonight. This is the text that we've been focusing in on in our study. And we're going to be in this text over the course of this whole study as we look at the armor of God in the weeks that follow. Uh, But here we are, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Follow along. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And let's stop there for a minute. Just the opening two verses... Help us to understand that when it comes to this area of spiritual warfare, God is laying out a blueprint for us here, right? He is providing for us a strategy as we engage in spiritual warfare. Verse 12, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Now, I didn't really mention this in the first two weeks, but what's interesting is we go through verse 20, where Paul says, listen, I am an ambassador in chains, and I want to be able to continue to boldly speak of the gospel. 
Paul's writing about dealing and battling with spiritual warfare as he was just inundated in it, right? I mean, he, he had so much as it relates to the trials and the persecutions that came his way for his stance in the gospel. And what an amazing, amazing scenario we have here where Paul the Apostle, who was a leader, who was an example, who was the one that was trying to set the tone, for example, for others to follow, while battling it, while you know, up to his neck, up to his, his eyeballs, dealing with the spiritual battles that were taking place, that he could with great confidence say, this is how we battle. This is God's way. This is God's strategy. This is God's promise. This is what we need to follow and what we need to do. And Paul saw that firsthand. He knew that firsthand. Been there, done that. And it's pretty incredible. It's pretty incredible that we can see this coming from the Apostle Paul as he was the recipient of this great persecution. And yet, even in the midst of that, very firmly, very confidently, with great faith, could still proclaim these truths. And so that should serve as a, a great kind of inspiration and encouragement for us tonight, even as we, as men, think about the reality of the spiritual warfare that we face on a daily basis. So just by way of review, in case you've missed the first two weeks, very briefly, week one we talked about the reality of war. And really there were three main points that we, we kind of looked at. One is we are at war. We're in it, okay? Um, you may want to deny it. You may want to cloud your vision from it. You may want to try to uh, glaze over it, but the reality is we're in it, okay? We are at war. Uh, we looked at the understanding that our enemy that we face is fierce, and he's unrelenting. Um, we have a fierce enemy who is unrelenting. He is good at what he does, and he's persistent, uh, and he does not stop. Um, he is He is about his work every single day, all the time. And we also looked at the reality that God has given us what we need for battle. Um, so we're at war, we have an enemy, but God has given us what we need. Last week we looked at the need to engage, and we said it's not enough to simply acknowledge that spiritual warfare exists. It's not enough to simply acknowledge that it exists. It's one thing to say, oh yeah, I believe that that's the case. It's an entirely different thing than to respond and act with that understanding. Uh, you know, related it to the fact that if you have a leak in your ceiling and you see that it's all brown from where it dried and you're like, man, that leak's not good. There's probably a leak. I know it's there, but I think I'll just paint over it and not do anything about it. You're going to have problems down the road, right? You've done nothing to engage with or deal with what you know is there. That's a lot of times our attitudes when it comes to spiritual warfare. We know it's there. We know it's happening. We know we're in a battle. We know we're in the midst of war. And yet, in no way, shape, or form do we seek to engage in that in a way that's going to honor God. Acknowledgement should lead to engagement. Engagement should bring about action. Acknowledgement should lead to engagement, and engagement should bring about action. Number three, as we engage, we must know our enemy and know our own weaknesses. Um, it's one thing for us to say, man, I got an enemy and I know his strategy, I know what he does, but it's something else to be honest with ourselves about the area that we know the enemy will most likely attack us in. And we talked a little bit about that, about knowing our weaknesses and the, and the sin sometimes that we engage in. And then number four, as we engage, we must know how to win, which leads us to tonight, how to win. How to win in this battle, how to win in the midst of the war that we find ourselves engaging in on a daily basis. So um, tonight I, I really broke up the message into two different parts. Um, basically of what we need to know and then the need to respond. What we need to know and the need to respond. So need to know, number one, 
God's word has provided us with a winning strategy. Would you say that with me? God's word has provided us with a winning strategy. If we truly believe that this is the word of God, this is God-breathed, that this is from God, if we believe that, if we believe that this word is truth, um, then we believe what it says. And so already we've read in Ephesians chapter 6 a strategy that was laid out for us, um, and there's more than just what Ephesians chapter 6 tells us, but that's a fantastic starting point as we look at the engaging in spiritual warfare. God's word has provided us with a winning strategy. And so let me just give you some encouragements and points as it relates to this winning strategy that God has provided. Number one here under this, depend upon the Lord's strength. Depend upon the Lord's strength. God has given us a winning strategy and we need to be depending upon the Lord's strength as we engage with the strategy. Again, verse 10, finally be strong in what or who? In the Lord, right? Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. There is a necessity for you and I as men to depend upon the Lord's strength. And the questions at your tables Number three was the question of why do men oftentimes refuse to follow the strategy? What did you say at your tables? I know what they said at our table, but what did, what did they say at your table? What was the reason as men sometimes we fail to follow that strategy? Yeah. Okay, pride, right? A lot of times it's our own prideful thinking. We know what God says, but does God really know best? Come on, right? Like it's easy for us to think that way sometimes. Because we can consider ourselves to be experts in a lot of different areas. And it sounds foolish, doesn't it? To be like, well, I know better than God does. We, we would think that sounds foolish, but how many times in our actions is that exactly what we are saying? We would never hopefully say that out loud and be like truthful saying, I know better than God. We wouldn't say that. But if we observe some of the actions that we take and decisions that we make, aren't we saying that oftentimes? We know better than God, right? Men fail so often to follow the strategy that God has laid out because we think we can handle more than we can handle or have more wisdom than we actually have or more strength than we actually have in ourselves. And so we fail to be dependent upon the Lord. Now, I'm going to just give you some encouragement tonight in a little bit here about the dependency that we have on the Lord and what the Lord provides for us. And I think it's going to be a great encouragement for us tonight. So don't feel like this is going to all be like, let me beat us over the head with what, what we're dealing with here. But we fail so often to follow that strategy and we have to be dependent upon the Lord's strength. We have to be dependent upon the strength that the Lord gives. Um, it's the same thing is true that uh, if you ever help someone move, I remember we were helping someone move and they had this refrigerator in the, back of the, in the back of the truck. And they had a dolly, right, that could be used for that refrigerator. And when I was a little bit younger, I remember if I was helping someone move, it was like a test of strength, right, to be able to, like, lift heavy things. And so uh, you would have people there that were, like, of older age and of younger age. And so it, the, the older age people were very wise. They used the dolly for heavy things. They let the dolly do the lifting for you, right? The young guys were like, no, we can carry that. And so it was almost like a a test of strength. That's how injuries happen, okay? Now, I'm like the guy, like when we go to do that, I still want to like prove the strength, right? I'm still in that foolish category sometimes. But 
We helped someone move. It wasn't that long ago I was helping someone move. And I went to pick something up. And I didn't lift with my legs. I lifted with my back. And immediately I felt that. Immediately I was like, oh, man. And I knew right away the foolishness that was there in my pride. Because I thought, no, I'm going to lift this. I don't need help. I don't need to do this the right foolish, right? I knew there's a dolly that could be used. Let the dolly do the lifting. And and here's where I'm getting with this. Too often as men, when we have this understanding that, that God's words provided us with a winning strategy, and that strategy shows us that we need to depend upon his strength and not our own. And so often we're like, that's great to know, but I think I got it handled. Thank you, God, for that that understanding and knowledge that you provide strength in this battle, but I'm all right. I'm okay. I got it figured out. And we do that in so many areas of life. Have you ever told someone, they said, how are you doing? You're like, oh, great. Things are fantastic. And you're like, man, things are terrible. We all do that. There's been times we've all been guilty of presenting ourselves in one way when we know that is not true and that's not the case. And so as we look at this winning strategy God has provided, it begins and ends with the strength of the Lord. And so we have to be depending upon the Lord's strength. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Of God. It's the armor that he gives. It's the armor that originates with him. So it's his strength, his power... His armor that he provides. There's a dependency that we must have upon the Lord and not upon ourselves. And second, under God's word providing a winning strategy, depend upon the Lord's strength. Secondly, put on the armor of God. Put on the armor of God. Listen, on a daily basis, I hope this is true of you, that when you get out of bed, before you venture out into the world, I hope every day you get dressed. Okay? If you take a shower and you get out of the shower and you dry off, probably not one of us as men, and I don't want to say not one of us because some people might be like, they might be freaky, that you get out of the shower, you dry off, you're butt naked, and you're just like, I think this is how I'm going to go about my day today. And you just walk out the door like that and just go throughout your day. That doesn't happen for us. We know, we know we need to get dressed. Isn't it the same thing when it comes to the spiritual warfare we face on a daily basis you and I as believers in Christ that are depending upon the Lord's strength and want to honor the Lord we should feel naked without the armor of God it it should bother us something should be a check in our spirit that's not right as we face our day if we are not putting on the armor of God as we venture out into battle something shouldn't sit right with us Because we need that on a daily basis. Listen, these are not things that you've never heard before. Guys, as we read Ephesians chapter 6 and verses 10 through 20, week after week after week after week, and we look at this winning strategy, these are not complicated things. These are not things like, holy cow, I've never seen that before. That's incredible. They're very basic truths from God's word that you depend upon the strength that God gives and God's power and that you would put on the full armor of God as you go about facing your day. You see, he's going to say in the passage, our, our wrestling, which again, that, that word wrestling has to do with hand-to-hand combat. 
We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We're not battling face-to-face, arm-in-arm with flesh and blood. So why would we ever think that the things of this world would be sufficient for the battle that has nothing to do with what we can see in this world? It makes no sense. It makes no sense. We defend and battle and engage and win in the unseen realm with the things that God provides to us. And nothing else will do. So we need to be depending upon the Lord's strength and we need to put on the whole armor of God. Now, not in this particular passage, although I feel like it is referenced when he talks about towards the end of this section about taking the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. The spirit of God is mentioned multiple times in this text. But I feel like what we have to understand is God's winning strategy is that we would, as men of God, walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. That we would walk in the spirit. That we would walk in the spirit. Galatians chapter 5 speaks of this. And in Galatians 5, listen to what Paul the Apostle said. I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh, they are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Listen, men, here's the acts of the flesh. Those of us that would say today, hey, uh, I'm, I'm not walking in the spirit. I, I'm walking in the flesh. This is what the acts of the flesh are. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. You know what Paul's saying? If those are the things that are characterizing and marking our lives on a consistent basis, if that's what we're known for, then we need to examine our salvation that we truly are following Jesus Christ as Savior. Because those things should not mark our lives. Walking according to the flesh should not be who we are any longer. We should, as men of God, be walking in the Spirit. And he says, but the fruit of the Spirit, or what the Spirit produces as we walk in the Spirit, is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh, With its passions and desires, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us walk in the Spirit. If you want a winning strategy from God's Word about dealing with the spiritual warfare that is so prevalent in our lives, it begins with the dependence upon the strength that God gives and the power of God and not ourselves. It involves putting on daily the armor, the full armor of God that He has provided for us. As we engage in this battle, and it is going to involve on a daily basis walking in the spirit and not in the flesh. And so if we want to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh, we need to make provisions to walk in the spirit and not provisions to walk in the flesh. If we want to pursue walking in the spirit, we will pursue spiritual things, heavenly things. We will set our mind on things above, not on things on this earth. That's a strategy that God has provided to us. Again, I would venture to say most in this room, these are not new things for us. Most of you that came through those doors tonight, you're sitting there and you're thinking, I've heard this before. 
great. What are you doing with it? What am I doing with this? This is the strategy that God has provided for us. Great dependence on his strength and power and not my own. His armor and not my own. His spirit and not the flesh. Walk in the spirit, men, and not in the flesh. And then I also want to highlight to walk in the light as he is in the light. In Ephesians chapter 5, just one chapter earlier to the chapter we've been in in Ephesians 6, Paul is writing and he says this beginning in verse 8. At one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Walk as children of light. He says, the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Listen, it's one thing for you and I to be here tonight and say, okay, listen, God's winning strategy is first and foremost that I would be dependent upon the strength and power of God. That's great. If we can be here tonight and say amen to that and say, okay, I need to be dependent upon the strength and power of God. What has to follow with that statement, though, is, and not my own. Okay? We have to get that. That it's, yes, here's God's winning strategy. Depend upon the strength and power of God, dot, 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 and not my own strength or power. That means he increases, I decrease. That means I make much of his name and less of my own. That means I have greater concern and greater preoccupation with the glory of God than I do the recognition of myself from men. You see, it's, it's one thing to simply say I need to be dependent upon the strength and power of God. It's another thing to say, and not my own. It's one thing to say I need to put on the full armor of God. It's something else to say, and I also need to be putting off the things of the flesh, right? I need to put on and put off so I need to put on the armor of God and I need to put off those things that once characterized my life because they shouldn't even be named among me as a child of God tonight. Put on the armor of God, put off the things of the flesh, walk in the spirit, walk in the spirit and make provisions for the spirit and re refuse, refuse to make provisions for the flesh. That's why God's word says if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I mean, this is, this is what God's word is laced with. As followers of Christ, there's a winning strategy available to us. It's laid out for us. And then it's one thing to say, I'm going to walk in the light. But even as he says in Ephesians chapter 5, not only walk in the light, but have nothing to do with the works of darkness. Because that's not who we are anymore. You see do you see the extreme that God really is calling us to? He's calling us to something that is extreme, guys. He's calling us to something that is crazy to the world that we live in. He's calling us to set our minds, our affections, our desires, our hearts on things that are out of this world, that are not of this world. So we can take it to extreme and say literally as a child of God, there should be zero room for any kind of occupying of our hearts or minds with the things of the flesh. That's what God's desire is for us. That's his strategy. Depend upon his strength and his power. Put on the full armor of God. Walk in the spirit and not the flesh. And walk in the light and have nothing to do with the unfruitful works of darkness. It's a winning strategy. 
It's a strategy that God provides in his word for the believer in Christ. We need to understand that. That yes, the answer to the first question that you discussed at your tables, does the Bible provide believers with a winning strategy when it comes to spiritual warfare? Absolutely, yes, he does. God provides the strategy for us as we engage and we, we war in this battle. That strategy involves his strength and not our own, the armor of God and not our own, walking in the spirit and not the flesh, walking in light and not in darkness. And so we could stop, I think, right there and be like, all right, let's go do it, right? That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. But I want to I move on to a second point I think is important for us to know what we need to know tonight. And this is, I think, so important. You need to know tonight that God has not left us alone as we engage in this battle. God has not left us alone as we engage in this battle. Now listen, if I'm standing here with a group of men that, that I say to you tonight, hey, are you thankful tonight to know that in the midst of this battle, God has not left you alone in the midst of this battle, say amen. amen. That there should be a resounding, powerful, energized, thankful, earth-shaking amen that comes from the heart and soul of every one of us as men. That as we face this battle that would seem impossible to man, that our God has not left us alone in this. He's not left you alone. You're not on an island as you face this battle. You're not alone in this. I'm not alone in this. The person next to you, they're not alone in this. And, and here's what's, what's crazy is I think the enemy does a fantastic job of placing those thoughts in our vision of you're alone, no one else, you're it, does God care, does God really know, does God really love, is God really faithful, is God really present. I don't know if you've ever dealt with those thoughts, those battles. I hear from so many men when I'm meeting with them and we're talking through where they're at, those kind of thoughts that ring true in their head all the time. And you need to know tonight the encouragement that God has not left us alone as we engage in this battle. The armor of God is available to us. The peace of God, the wisdom of God, the strength of God, the faithfulness of God belongs to us as his children. He's promised it to us as his children. He's with us. His spirit is within us. Believers are behind us. I, I love what Paul says here at the end of the, the section. He says, praying at all times in the spirit, verse 18, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and for me. I, I love this because Paul's talking about spiritual warfare. He's talking about we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against like the spiritual host of wickedness. And he talks about dependency upon the power of God, the strength of God, the armor of God. And then I love he kind of wraps up the section by talking about the necessity of the believer, the brothers and sisters in Christ, upholding one another in prayer. We're not alone in this. I'll tell you what an encouragement. When we went overseas and we were doing the Chinese church planner training, to hear from the, the pastors that were there that were under severe persecution how meaningful and heartfelt it was, how meaningful to them to know that believers across the globe were praying for them. I mean, they were, they were floored over that. The encouragement that that is to them and the, and the, the um, power that that provides for them. They, and that's what they asked for. You've, you've heard that before, a testimony I've shared before. When asked, how can we pray for you? Pray, pray for us for boldness. Pray for us that we would speak the name of Christ. Pray for us to be faithful. This is exactly what Paul's praying for and asking for prayer for in Ephesians 6. 
And it's what he's reminding us to do as saints that we would make supplication for all the saints, that we would keep alert, that we would keep focused, that we would keep committed, and that we would pray. Pray for one another. We're, we are not alone in this. Sometimes we can feel defeated, we can feel alone, we can feel lost, we can feel isolated in battle, we can feel abandoned in battle, but we are not. God has not left us alone in this battle. There's never a time as a believer in Christ that I can truthfully say, God, you've abandoned me, because he won't. That's not what my God does. That is not what your God does. He does not abandon you as his child. He's never unfaithful to you as his child. He doesn't abandon us. I love war movies and like battle movies, and I particularly love when it gets to the end of a movie and there's scenes that build where quote unquote, the, the quote-unquote good guys are outnumbered, right? And it's like there's no way they can win, okay? And even though you know what's coming, I still love it, right? Where, where there's no way they can win because the enemy is just too big. The enemy's too great. There's no way we can win. And, and I love it because I know what's coming that there's coming a scene in the movie where when the hero is down and out, he's defeated. He, he's, he's almost gone. He's almost dead. He's almost done. And at just the right time, when the enemy's confident and he's outnumbered and he feels defeated, reinforcements come. And the music builds <laughs> and the scene kind of expands and you see all the reinforcements coming and, and, they, and they come and all of a sudden the person who was downcast and defeated and discouraged and ready to quit has a, a, a basically a, like it's, it's like revived him to the point of not only is he willing to engage, but he's willing to lead everybody in that engagement. Uh, and so I thought of this scene. This is a scene I want to show you real quick. It's about a three to four minute clip. Um, and some of you maybe have seen this movie. If you haven't, I'm not endorsing the movie. Okay, I don't want any emails. Uh, that I don't think you should watch that movie because I'm not endorsing the movie. I'm endorsing this scene, okay? And it's a scene in Avengers Endgame. And it's at the end of the movie, and Captain America is defeated. He looks defeated. He's isolated. He's on the ground. He looks like it's over. Thanos is there. His armies are behind him. He's pretty confident. He's looking like a bad dude, right? In a, in like... Bad dude, okay? And he's, he's all but had victory. And then things change. And then things change. Check out this clip. Ugh. <sighs> 
Captain Sam, can you hear me? On your left. I love that scene, and it's a lot more powerful when you're in the movie theater and the music and everything's blazing behind you, and when I went to see this, that's the area when this happens, everybody starts clapping, like during the movie, because it's like the, the, the good guys are going to win, and I won't spoil the movie for you if you want to see the movie, I won't tell you what happens, but I think you might know what happens, but, but I love that scene because you have someone who was all but defeated, thought defeat was certain. And then the reinforcements show up. And what I love about the scene is as Captain America turns around and he sees all of the support behind him. He's, he's reinvigorated. He, he's ready to fight again. He's ready to lead them in battle because he sees all of these people that he cares for and loves and that support him behind him. And they're going to go with him. He was no longer alone, isolated on his own. And here's what I think is absolutely amazing about what God's word tells us, is that that scene that we just saw of support is always behind us as a child of God. We don't have to wait for anybody to show up. God's already there with us. 
The support is already there with us. And I want to read to you a passage in the Old Testament that speaks directly to this. And it's in 2 Kings chapter 6. And I love this passage. It's 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 8 to 23. And this is where Elisha, the prophet of God, was serving his God, and a wicked king wanted to destroy him. And I want you just to listen to this. Once, when the king of Syria was warring against Israel, he took counsel with his servants, saying, At such and such a place shall be my camp. But the man of God, Elisha, sent word to the king of Israel, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are going down there. And the king of Israel sent to the place about which the man of God told him. Thus he used to warn him, so that he saved himself there more than once or twice. And the mind of the king of Assyria was greatly troubled because of this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me who of us is for the king of Israel? Let me summarize what's happened in these opening verses. Elisha, the prophet of God, is able through God's power and strength to be able to declare to the king of Israel where he should and shouldn't go as it relates to battle and to deliver him from battle at the hands of the king of Syria. And the king of Syria's plans were thwarted twice. And so the king of Syria says, who amongst us is a spy? It's basically what he's saying, who's the, who's the spy here? Who is telling the king of Israel, my moves. Who's telling him what I'm doing? Because whenever I have this strategy and I think it's good, somehow he finds out about it. So someone's spying amongst us. And it says, the mind of king of Syria is greatly troubled because of this. Verse 12, one of his servants said, none, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. I think that's fantastic. Elisha is not in the king's bedroom with him, but this is what his servant's telling him. He's like, listen, no one here is spreading the stuff that you're going to be doing. Elisha, the prophet of God, he basically tells the king of Israel whatever you're saying, even in the privacy of your bedroom. He knows. He knows. And he's telling him. And he said, go and see where he is that I may send in season. The king's like, I need to get rid of Elisha. Tell me where he's at, and we're going to end him. And it was told him he's in Dothan. So he sent there horses and chariots and a great army and they came by night and surrounded the city. So here's the scenario. Elisha, the prophet of God, through the, the, the means that God has provided, is able to supernaturally tell and warn the king of Israel about the plans of the king of Assyria. The king of Assyria finds out and says, where's this guy at? We're going to go. We're going to kill him. And so the king doesn't send a couple guys. Okay, Elisha, he's at a house. He's in Dothan. And so the king sends horses, chariots, and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. So the scenario is Elisha, he's in a house somewhere in Dothan, he's asleep, and in the middle of the night, the king surrounds the city with all of his army here, the great army, chariots, they surround the city. And when the servant of the man of God, verse 15, Elisha's servant, rose early in the morning and went out. Behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Now look up here for a second because I want to paint this scenario for you. And, and this is a real life scenario. This happened. Okay, this is something that physically was happening in the life of Elisha. Elisha's asleep in Dothan. He's a servant of God, a prophet of God, sound asleep. In the middle of the night, a wicked king that wants to kill him, wants to destroy him, surrounds the city where he's located 
and he's going to just destroy this guy. And Elisha's servant wakes him up, you know. Can you imagine the panic of this guy? Master, what are we going to do? How would you react in that scenario? How would we react? Now, I don't know if anybody's going to honestly answer that question right now. I can tell you how I'd hope to react. But how would we react to that? Let me, let me bring it a little closer to home. If you knew tonight that there were spiritual forces of evil desiring to trip you up and get you to fall, if you knew tonight that the enemy wants to just destroy you and he has you surrounded, how might you react? How might you respond? The servant responded simply by what he could see. There's an army, there's two of us, we're dead men. But look at what Elijah says. I, this is just incredible to me. Listen to what it says. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. The servant said, alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, do not be afraid. Look at what he says here. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Like, that's the scene, fellas. Like, at that point when that's said, that you're watching it, and you know when you're watching a movie and you get goosebumps and maybe even tears kind of start welling up in the eyes of like, holy cow. Like, when, when that scene hits, Elijah, with no panic, gets up and says, this is incredible. Do not be afraid. Would there be a more opportune time for that servant to show fear than right now? Elijah says, do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. He said, or prayed, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. Open his eyes to see what he currently is not seeing. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Men, here's my prayer for us. That God would open our eyes to see that there are more for us than there are against us when it comes to the spiritual battle that is taking place every day in our lives. That God would give us eyes to see there's a winning strategy provided for us. There is an almighty creator God who is for us, behind us, with us as we engage in the spiritual warfare that we face on a daily basis. We need to know God has not left us alone in this battle. If only we had eyes to see. If only we would have eyes to see. So let me give two needs to respond. Need to respond. First, respond by seeking daily to execute the strategy. Seek daily to execute the strategy. Seek daily to execute the strategy. This might mean you need to make some changes. Might mean to make some changes. If you're going to execute the strategy of being dependent upon the Lord in all circumstances, that means we need to make some changes maybe 
when we're showing that we're just completely dependent upon ourselves. That might mean a shifting of some relationships. If we're going to walk in the spirit and not the flesh, that might mean a shifting of some places that we go or things that we do or entertainment that we take in. If we're going to prioritize walking in the spirit, that might mean filling our lives more with God's word and with less of the world. Some changes that maybe need to take place in our work, in our routine, in our disciplines, and in our families. Seek daily to execute the strategy. Um, I touched on last week the necessity as men to be leaders in our families, with our wives and with our children. The necessity as men to to speak up and to hold true to the word of God. Um, To take spiritual responsibility for our children and for our wives. To exercise that, to, to prioritize that. Um, I, I've shared many times that I have a daily alarm that goes off on my phone to remind me to pray for my wife and all four of my girls. It comes up on my phone every single day for the past, I don't know how many years I have that on my phone. Why? Because I know that I could forget on a daily basis to pray. And so I set an alarm. If you want to pray for your family on a daily basis, don't do it in theory. That'd be great. Put an alarm on your phone right now. Set it up. Put it whenever you're going to be able to be receiving that alarm and not ignore it. Whether it's 6 o'clock in the morning, 12 o'clock noon when you're on your lunch break every day, or 9 o'clock at night when you're at home and you're watching TV, whatever it may be, put it on your phone. Why not do that? If you want to pray for your family on a daily basis, set it up. Seek daily, seek daily to execute the strategy. If that means making time to read God's word and scheduling it, make time and schedule God's word in your life. If that means purposely seeking every day to spend X amount of time in prayer and in study of the word of God, make it happen. If it means that you're going to prioritize the spiritual well-being of your family by having devotions together or encouraging with scripture memory or putting things in front of your family that they would know Christ, make it happen. Putting on the armor of God on a daily basis is something that we have to be cognizant of and make effort to do every single day. Because if we don't, it's not going to happen. God has given us everything that we need. Let's execute the strategy every day day execute the strategy secondly need to respond seek daily in full dependence on him seek daily in full dependence on him again stop exalting self stop trusting in self call on him ask of him depend on him lean on him we need to seek to execute the strategy daily and we need to seek daily full dependence on him The strength that he gives, the power that he gives, the armor that he gives, the spirit that he gives, the pathway that he gives, we need to seek daily full dependence on the Lord. If we would start our day every single day with the mindset, God, can't do it today on my own, I need you. Please lead me, guide me, direct me, empower me, embolden me. Our perspective may be much different that day as we exit our house. If we exit our house every day and say, man, I can't go out naked, I need to put on the armor of God just as much as I need to put these clothes on today. Our perspective will be different as we face the day that we walk into. We need to seek him in full dependence on him every day. Guys, listen, we need to know that God's word has provided us with a winning strategy in the spiritual warfare that we face. And we need to know that God has not left us alone as we engage in this battle. Let me give you some encouragement as we close today. 
as we, face, as we face spiritual battles that will come our way, remember that as a child of God, as a member of the family of God, as someone who has been redeemed by God, as a recipient of the grace of God, remember these things, that you and I are empowered by God, we are kept by God, we are led by God, we are loved by God. Remember that God goes before us, the Spirit lives within us, and God's grace is upon us. Remember that you are forgiven, you are chosen of God, you are secure in Him, you are held in His hand, you are His child, and you are a fellow heir with Christ. Remember that you are known by God, you are upheld by God, you are precious to God, and you are a child of God. Remember that He will not leave you, He will not forsake you. He will help you, he will provide for you, he will guard you, and he will be faithful to you. Remember, he does not sleep, he does not slumber, and he does not take a vacation. God is always present with us. Remember, he has eyes to see and ears to hear. His heart cares, his will will be done, and his name will be glorified. Remember, there is a war that we are called to engage in, and God has provided us a winning strategy. He has not left us alone. And that daily, if we seek him, depend on him, call out to him, and implement the strategy he has given, we can have victory. That is what God has promised, and that will be just as true tomorrow as it was today. And so let's follow the strategy he's given to us. If we do that, we will have much reason to rejoice day in and day out in the goodness of mercy and faithfulness of our God because he is with us. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We're thankful for the winning strategy that you've provided in the midst of spiritual warfare, God, that is so prevalent in the world in which we live. And God, I think tonight of specifically maybe some of the men in this room that to this point have felt almost isolated, alone, discouraged, and maybe even to the point of feeling abandoned as they face the spiritual battles that come their way. And I ask, God, that you would empower us and remind us that there are more for us than against us. That you, God, are all that we need for us. If you are for us, who could be against us? Guys, listen, with your heads bowed and eyes closed for just a minute, I want to be very specific in what I'm asking here. If tonight you're here and you would say, I am in the category of someone who has felt isolated, alone and even oftentimes abandoned as it relates to the spiritual warfare that I'm under. And tonight, I really want to pray and ask that God would consistently remind me, encourage my heart and mind with the reality that I'm not alone, that he is for me. And because of that, I can live boldly for him. If that's you specifically, would you put your hand up? I want to pray specifically about that. Yeah, keep your hands up for just a minute because I don't want to miss. I want to take everybody in that has their hand up real quick. Okay, yeah, you can put them down. I'm going to, I'm going to pray specifically for that issue because we need to be reminded tonight we're not abandoned we're not alone we're not isolated in this battle god is for us with us enables us and empowers us god i do pray for every guy that raised their hand uh lord i pray that you would remind them daily from your word through your spirit that they are not alone they are not abandoned they are not isolated in this spiritual battle god that your word would come to their remembrance that they would hide your word in their heart, that they would meditate upon your word, and that the, the Spirit of God, through the word of God, would give power, strength, boldness, encouragement, and peace. That when that's provided, the only explanation is it is from you. I pray that you would guard each of these men, that their heart and mind would be set on you, and Lord, they would know the encouragement 
that comes from the power that you give. And I pray that you would provide that.